All right, this is episode number one of many. I am Leon Luna, the host, and this will be your EO Boys podcast. And today I am joined with Chad Oakley Schultz, and he is the Northeast Ungulate Guardian, the man, the myth, the legend himself. How's it going, Chad? Good. What's up? How are you doing? Good, man. Good, just trying to stay alive and well and away from all the the coronas. <laughs> Gotta stay away from that rona. The rona. Get away from the rona. <laughs> but I'm glad I'm glad you joined me today because there's been you're always getting questions. People are asking me questions to ask you questions about everything to do with hunting. Uh, in regards to cougar hunting and predator hunting as a whole and the whole nine yards so what what are your most frequently asked questions when it comes to cougar hunting mostly just how am i getting them because as most people know they're kind of they're kind of hard to get you know and yeah uh, from, from learning i started learning out my uncle Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I started started out hunting with my uncles and stuff, you know, doing the normal, typical stuff most people do, the deer and elk hunting. And, you know, you sit around the fire and you talk stories and cat stories got brought up. And I was like, man, you know, I've never seen a cat. And I just, I started to put my focus on trying to hunt cats. And I hunted three years until, uh, until I finally got my first one. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, man. It's a from what you've taught me in this short amount of time of trying to do it. It's definitely tough, but it's rewarding as hell. I mean, you can't you can't beat the adrenaline rush that you get cutting a fresh fresh track in the in a nice skiff of snow. That's for sure. Yeah, and that that's really what it's all about. As most everybody knows with anything that you do even with fishing uh, regular hunting covering ground is is key you know you ain't gonna find a your elk or your deer if you're just hunting the same exact spot you need to be moving around and and locating and putting in your time so it's almost the same situation with cats but really the only way to be doing that is is you got to have snow in order to start locating cats. I mean, other than that, you're kind of going in there blind, and that's the biggest thing is getting up there, paying attention to the weather. You know, um, I like to check check trail cameras or not trail cameras, weather cameras. You know, just to to proof myself because I can't quite trust weather apps and things like that. And trying to make sure that when i go up there i got good snow to be cutting cutting cats yeah it definitely is a game changer when it comes to good is what you taught me good snow versus your pretty shitty snow and there's there's all different kinds of the snow for different types of tracking and if you don't have snow underneath trees that could be some tough tracking situations like the first time you and i went out we uh, didn't have such good a snow, and we were damn near hands and knees trying to find the tracks and track out that lion we cut. That yeah, was... yeah, and then it turned into a blizzard on us. Yeah, it turned, it turned into a shit show real fast. But hey, it was fun, man. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it for the world. It makes, yeah, it makes you uh, appreciate it that much more once you can finally get one. <clears throat> so I guess. Yeah, that's just it. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we did a, a little feed on Instagram to see what kind of questions they were that people had for you. And one of them was, what would you recommend doing in order to get started lion hunting? Like, what's your what's your biggest recommendation and how would you approach it going forward from, like, a beginner A beginner? Uh, Well, I I mean, I'm 
kind of a safety guru, you know. I think the biggest thing a guy needs to to know before he even starts hunting is to at least have the basic necessities because when you're hunting cats, you have to have snow. And when there's – you don't have to have snow, but your odds go up when you do have snow. So I would say, you know, get get yourself a, a decent little shovel and and possibly a winch, all those things just as a safety precaution first but uh and once you're set up for that then just get up there to the mountains and and word to mouth hearing from people where there's cats maybe you've seen cats maybe you've had trail cameras up you know for your deer and elk and you see a cat that's on your trail camera and uh try to focus on driving the forest service roads in those areas where you've heard or or seen cats at but uh uh, the biggest thing is is miles i just drive miles and miles and miles and i'm fully focused on pretty much my head out the window looking down at snow (laughs) i mean yeah yeah (laughs) what it's all about is just constantly uh and that's why i like a good fresh snow because you start to hunt an older snow, you got a lot of foot traffic. You got your deer and your elk that are going across the road that you're trying to distinguish between, okay, what's this one that crossed the road and so forth. So the fresher the snow, the the quicker you can cover ground because there's less, you know, traffic over the road. But that's where I would start as a beginner is getting up there with a the fresh snow and trying to cut a cat cat track and i like to use my onyx which most a lot of hunters use these days and i like to start marking them every single cat that i start that i cut the whole season long i'll mark it and you start to get a pattern and you can kind of know where that cat goes so that when you go up on your next trip you know what roads to run and where that cat has a good chance of crossing, where you need to be looking a little harder to cut the cat. Yeah, and, and then there's a couple times when you and I went up after <clears throat> a fresh skiff of snow, and and you were coming around a bend, and you're like, "Oh shit, I cut a I cut a track here a couple weeks ago. Watch it. Let's see if we can't see some tracks." And sure as shit, we saw some fresh tracks that day. It's like, you got to be kidding me. So I guess doing that, making sure you're marking them will definitely help you in the long run. And coming back day in and day out with you driving all these miles from home, it'll it'll pay off in the long run. Yeah, it, it does. It's definitely good to mark every single track, you know, that, that you can. Because eventually you start patterning them and you know exactly where to go and you're not going up there wasting your time running a bunch of different roads yeah definitely i mean you've got your honey holes and that sucker produces that's for sure but, yeah but uh going on to a different question i guess is what is the main type of gear you run what what do you prefer what did you find not to work so well what recommendations would you give to somebody starting out and kind of developing their gear gear i like to have a nice uh day pack a small lightweight pack that has that you can put an e-collar in your basic necessities um try to be as light as you possibly can so the pack is the most to me the most important part because well other than boots boots are always important everybody knows that but um you know, especially if you're up there by yourself and alone, you need to have the things in your pack in case something was to happen and you had to stay overnight. So you need to have a pack that's set up for, for a day hunt and possibly, worst case scenario, had to stay the night. But I like to keep an e-collar in it because I do like to do some call stands in certain situations. Um, as far as, like, my gear, I like to do the tip thing that most hunters do and have a layer system 
where you have a good warm jacket and you can layer down if you start to get hot. Uh, I like good thick uh, wool socks. Um, keep your feet warm. Good pair of boots. Uh, I'm a big fan on wool. I love to wear wool. Uh, I I don't typically start to wear my wool until it starts getting real real cold. But as far as the gear goes, it's just a pack. Of course, your your rifle, whatever you're using, bow, uh, and uh, good warm gear, and that's repellent that ain't gonna soak up because sometimes you're gonna be going through some nasty stuff and reprod that's snow loaded and a hood a hoodie is key because some situations you got to just push through snow loaded reprod and you don't want that snow dropping down you know on your collar and stuff so it's nice to have a hood to flip over your head and punch through some brush you know yeah i had to learn that the hard way one time when you and i went out i didn't have a hood and i was getting snow all down my back and that was, that was shitty so I make sure to have some type of jacket now every time we go that has a hood on it so you can just put yeah. your head down and plow through it and clear yeah. a path for the next guy behind you with all the snow uh, taking off all the branches. So yeah. yeah, always be the guy walking behind. That's what I try to do. Yeah, well, Chad, Chad learned the hard way the last time him and I went out on a shed hunting trip that you don't want to follow the guy in front of you too close or if not you'll get whacked in the face <laughs> by a branch. And get uh get your eye all cut up. So yeah. yeah. So what other questions do you got? Um, so some other <laughs> some other people asked I'll I'll save that one for last. Uh, so this one was asked related to dogs. A lot of people think that you use dogs when you're cougar hunting, but I've been with you and that's not the case. You're out there driving miles, driving roads, putting countless hours in, driving throughout the whole night or whatever, trying to cut yourself a fresh track. And it's that's not the case. The only time you've ever used dogs is with a bobcat. And, I mean, with a bobcat, what do you think is your typical number of dogs required in order to get something treated up? Well, you could just have one good dog will will tree a tree a bobcat. Okay, so I mean, yeah, I I know the odds the odds of you being successful with dogs are a lot higher. I I learned that firsthand when I got my bobcat a couple of years ago. That thing it was it was unreal. It's a whole different experience when you're when you're using dogs. Yeah. Do you? Yeah, the thing thing that i get a lot from it too is and i used to have the same mindset you know when i first started tracking cats you know i almost kind of got jealous in a sense of you know here i am busting my butt and they're out there with them dogs and it's so easy with the dogs and they're just getting cats i mean that ain't hunting and then pretty soon it was like four years after tracking cats out so i'd got my first one three years to tracking them out and then after that i ran into a buddy of mine that loved to run uh actually have two buddies that love to run uh hounds on bobcats and actually getting out there and actually doing it it's a lot of work it it's no joke when you turn them dogs out you don't know where they're going you know and some some situations, depending on the snow and where they're going, we try to get in as close as we can with the truck to make the hike. You know, get in close to the dog so we don't have to hike as far. But sometimes that's not the case, and you can't get in. There's, uh, you know, three four miles to hike into the the dogs. So and then just being the houndsman in itself of taking care of those dogs and the work that's involved to have good hounds. I give them a lot of respect, even though when you're just the person riding with them and they turn them out, 
the dogs are doing the hunting, you know. Yeah, you're definitely. not doing the hunting, but you're still going into the shit deep, sometimes nasty, and sometimes it's a hundred yards off the road, old tree of bobcat, you know. But yeah, mm-hmm. I I I have a lot of respect for houndsmen because there's a lot of work involved. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you got to be top notch on top of your game running and gunning and getting after it trying to catch up to them because they're i mean they're running out ahead of you tracking it out and you got to try and keep up as best as possible or if not because you don't know what's going to happen i mean if it's if it's a larger bobcat it could try and attack one of the dogs or something scratch it up claw it try and bite at it you never know what happens i mean there's all different kinds of scenarios that could happen that could could cost you one of your dogs in in the end so yeah yeah, I've I've seen it. The the worst, one of the worst fears a houndsman has. Well, they got a few of them, but you know, culvert cats. Cats like to get in culverts. And, oh yeah. You know, their dogs are right in there, face to face with it, getting clawed up. And a bobcat can do a lot of damage. They're mean, mean little critter. Yeah, you wouldn't think they'd be. They, I mean, they look damn near like a house cat. They're a little bit bigger than your typical house cat, but those suckers can pack a punch, man. They, they are vicious little bastards. Yeah, they are. I uh, I couldn't believe it when when I first went on a went a hunt with you guys. That was that was definitely an experience for sure. Yeah. So, uh, what what other questions you got, or have have you gotten in the past regarding anything related to predator hunting or cougars or bobcats in general? I don't really get questioned on like other predator hunting, you know, just mostly, mostly the cats. Cause that's kind of what people know me for is the cats. So, I mean, there's a lot of other excellent hunters that are just badass at hunting coyotes and bears and all the other predators that are out there. But I mostly just get hammered with questions on how I'm, how I'm killing cats. Yeah. And I think a lot of it too, where my, my success is, I am up there a lot. I'm up there. I'm leave getting off work. If I know a good snow hit and I'm getting off work at three o'clock, I'll be driving up there right after work and I'll be hunting, looking for tracks clear until one o'clock in the morning. Sometimes I'll be hunting all night long. Don't even sleep, but maybe, maybe an hour. And I leave the mountain and I come straight home. It's because I'm up there. I'm locating, like I talked about earlier, marking and knowing where these cats are, where they're traveling, so that when, say, a weekend comes along where I have a good solid day to be up there hunting them, I'm not spending all damn day just trying to find me a cat. You know, I can go up there and I can just hit one of my roads and there's a good chance that I'm going to probably cut that cat somewhere in that area mm-hmm. yeah and get straight <clears throat> so you recently got a new a newer truck what was it last year you got yourself a new truck how many miles did you put on it in a in a, a cat season or a winter i should say <laughs> i'm getting probably i know i put 50 54 000 miles on it in one year in one winter but- or a full year in a full year, so I probably, I don't know, but just say cut it in half, 25,000 miles. <laughs> oh, Jesus, just going up hunting. I bet your the, your uh, your fuel bill for the year is outrageous, filling that sucker up and going up every chance you get. <laughs> that, that, that is it. That's the biggest cost, man. I mean, the cat hunting is not cheap. It's a lot of burnt gas. Yeah. I mean, I am driving around constantly all day, all night. And, of course, it's, it takes me about an hour and a half until I'm starting to hunt, hunt some snow, you know, in my area, from my home. So that's an hour and a half up, an hour and a half back. So that puts some miles on it. But, yeah, I'm up there all night long driving around. I like to have some good 
side lights on the side of my truck that aim down, you know, on the snow on the side of the road so that if I have a partner with me, he can be looking for tracks on his side and I can be looking for tracks on my side and just stomp some ground. Hell yeah, man. It's it's worked out. It's worked out for you several times and me being with you a few times, it's worked out in our favor. One uh that one that was a bummer this year was man i felt so good about it i went up there oh after yeah work. <laughs> that was the craziest crap ever there's a bridge that i i go up and start my road and i was like well i'm gonna pull over and take a leak so i hopped out of the truck and took a leak and then i headed up the mountain and it was like nine o'clock nine nine o'clock at night and i cut a smoking red hot freaking lion track i mean it was snowing at that time and when i looked in his prints there was no snow in his prints just a and, smoker uh, yeah just a <laughs> smoker man it was just i was excited and i knew that cat hung up there hung around up there and anyways yeah i came off the mountain to where I could get some service and I called you up and I said, Hey man, there's a good chance. And I could see not only when I cut his tracks, I seen some older tracks that were snowed in. And when I see that, when I see old tracks with new tracks, that's, that's happened quite a few times for me where I know that there's a kill close by because that cat's going to its kill feeding and going to its bed. Yeah. So it's just cropping sticking around back that area. and forth. Yeah, it just kind of tells me that there's something going on right in there. So I felt real good about it. But yeah, I called you up said, hey, man, there's a good chance you get this cat. You better get up here. Yeah, so that, that night, my buddy and I, or my roommate and I, we busted ass, drove over there all night. We didn't get in till we drove, what, three and a half, four hours. And I got in sometime after midnight, woke up about five o'clock or whatever four or five o'clock to to go and meet you up there <laughs> and woke you up at your truck and you're like all right let's go but yeah the, <laughs> what happened next is pretty damn funny go uh <laughs> go go ahead and tell it from your point of view <laughs> <laughs> so we're just excited we're gonna go up there we're gonna recut this cat or just work the prints that I'd found that night and work off those ones. But I had really good chances of knowing that most likely we're going to go up there and we're going to cut, cut him somewhere else, maybe lower down on the road and, and start putting the boots to him. Well, Leon's following me up there in, in the truck and we had him park there at this little pull off spot, right where that bridge was that I went and took a leak and uh, had him and his roommate load up in my truck to head up that road to go see if we could go cut that lion. And as we're going across this freshly coated bridge with fresh virgin snow on it, there's prints on it. And I'm like, what the hell? And looking at lion tracks, I can look at not only the print, but just how the footprints are going in the snow. And I'm like, that is a lion track. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God. And so the spot where we parked, that side of the mountain doesn't hold shit for snow. And the side that he was on holds good snow. So here it is. We're all excited to go hunt this cat. And this cat had came down on the bridge, walked over where I peed that night or that morning. <laughs> And looked like it sniffed my pee because it walked right over by it. It was the weirdest shit ever. And then walked the full length of the bridge and went over on the other side of the mountain. That was just, it just doesn't hold snow. It was blotchy. And we worked it, though, pretty good. Yeah. we. I mean, we and, got up there quite a bit and, and then ended up losing it because the snow was so bad. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, was, that, was, that was one heck of an experience that was pretty funny <laughs> i couldn't believe it happened <laughs> we did end up cutting that female and what one or two kittens 
Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, I think it was was it one? It was one kitten. There was one kitten with it, and I mean we tracked that sucker out for probably three miles or so, three four miles it seemed like. Went all over, did some loops. Could we we're damn near hands and knees trying to find some some new prints. We lost it a couple times, got back on it, but never could catch up to it. It was. It was out the out of the in a hurry. It was. Yeah. So, what uh, what would you say is your your craziest, wildest line hunting experience that you've gone through? Whether that's like close encounters, getting chased, or something like that. What what would you say is your wildest adventure you've gone on over the years? That's a hell of a question because a lot of them have been. Some crazy, crazy crap. <laughs> to, um, um, yeah, from, from the stories you've told me, I think the wildest one that I've caught is when you and your buddy, uh, now I forgot his name, but you guys, when you got that real big line, you came face to face with it damn near. You saw his eyes peeking up over the carcass. And then... Uh, that, that one was with my brother. <laughs> Oh, okay. The, for for your yeah. big for your big one, your, your real big cat. Um, not from not for the big cat. That one wasn't face to face. He was uh, he was only about seventy five yards up on a rock bluff, looking down at us. Checking. Oh yeah, that's what it was. It's because you you guys came came across that bull, that dead bull, and then you guys were kind of just there looking at it and saw it up on the hillside, didn't you? Yeah, we we're we were post we had hunted all night looking for a track and the sun had just came up and we were about to call it quits and he's like oh just take this road we haven't touched this road yet <laughs> like all right we'll go a couple miles so we did and right smack dab in the middle of the road there's what looks to be a stick sticking a mound of snow and a stick sticking up as we got closer to it, we realized, oh, that's an antler sticking up. <laughs> and nudged my truck right up to the pretty much the kill, and he goes to open up his door, and when he opens up his door, there's a massive lion print laying in the snow. And I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure we know what this is. That's a lion kill laying in the middle of the road. And typically when I see a, a bull it's going to be a big Tom. And we hopped out of the truck and checked it out. And it just had to have been killed that night. Drug off the hillside and don't know why he drug it to the middle of the road, but he did. And he had just had it opened up and the chest cavity was opened. He had scraped the carcass with snow to cover it up because he ate what he could that that night or that morning and uh i was curious how old it was and the chest cavity was open so i seen a pool of blood laying in the rib cage and i stuck my finger in there to see if tap the blood with the end of my fingertips to see if it was frozen or not and it wasn't frozen and it was like 20 some degrees and i'm like man this sucker's like it's fresh, 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 fresh. <laughs> and I started to get kind of sketched at that time because majority of my line kills have been off of kills and I never have to track far off the kill. Yeah. They never been that far. I think the farthest I've ever tracked off of a kill to find the cat bedded down was 800 yards. So, and then I've seen beds like right there, you know? And, uh, anyways, he's like, let's hunt this sucker. And I was like, all right, let's do it. So we grabbed the rifle, our rifles, and, uh, locked the truck up and started hiking off the kill. We found the tracks going off the kill about 50 yards off the road. Then we hiked back behind the truck about another 50 yards. And there was a bed that was still steaming. <laughs> we could see where it was laying like we just and we did we bumped well what we think is what ha 
happened was when we pulled up on the kill, we didn't realize it was laying off the side of the road. It got scared because it heard the truck or heard us or whatever. We came up to the kill, checked out the kill, locked the truck up, grabbed our rifles. And then that's when we got to its bed. And then the tracks came up onto the road behind my truck. And there was prints pushing down in in my tire traps, pushing down the lug marks where the snow stands up in your tire prints, smushed down. And we just went into panic mode. We're like, this cat is here right now. It's, it's watching us. And we were just spinning circles, looking around. <laughs> Shitting your huggies. <laughs> and sure as shit, finally spotted him. And uh, an old man had told me... Uh, that taught me how to cat hunt he's like cats love to be high ground they like to be above you you know and the first thing i was doing was looking looking on the the bluffs higher spots than where i'm where i'm standing now and sure as shit he was up there silhouetted like a freaking you know picture it was like crazy <laughs> just right up the rim rock standing there looking down at us and uh this is kind of crazy too. Um, my buddy Dano was with me and he's like, shoot that sucker. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of cold. I'm kind of scared. I'm standing, I'm free handing. I aim at it and I'm trying to aim at its head. And my crosshairs are like going all around its head. I'm like, this is horrible. This is horrible. Cause all I had was my two, two, three and most likely pack that sucker off. And anyways, I plopped down, I sat down in the snow, rested my elbows up, and he's still just standing up there looking down at us. And I got stable enough, rested my elbows on my knees and touched around off and gone. Cat falls off the black backside of that uh, rim rock that it was standing on. And I stood up and I told my buddy Dano, I said, well, did I get him? And he goes, well, I don't know. I think I did. And I go, you didn't shoot. And he goes, the F I didn't. And I go, bullshit. And he's like, we both stood there, faced each other, racked our bolts back, and two empty shells came out. Damn. And we're like, no shit. And he's like, well, one of us got him. Rack another round in. Let's go up there. So we racked another round in, and we hiked up there. It was only like a 70-yard shot, got up on that rim rock, and it was down on the backside of that. And he's actually still alive. And, you know, gave him another shot and put him out. Damn. How, uh, that, that cat, I've seen, I've seen photos of the taxidermy work of your rug. That is probably one of the top five biggest cats in the state of Oregon. Maybe even, yeah. maybe even top three. That son of a bitch is huge. Well, he actually he ranks uh, number eight for rifle oh, okay. in in Oregon, but um, our damn dog, one of our dogs, chewed the back of the skull off that lip that you measured from uh -huh, the, on the the back the of the back. skull, yeah. I don't know how much of that got chewed off, but he still measures 15 and two sixteenths. And that's and with it chewed off. And that's ranked eighth in the state. Yeah. Oh man, I, I bet I bet you he'd be up there, damn near top one, if them dogs wouldn't have chewed that sucker off. Yeah, that's that. wild, man. That is freaking wild. Yeah. I can't. I can't. I got. I put my hands on that sucker, and just the hands on that cat alone are freaking huge. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Well, my taxidermist, uh, uh, Randy Curtis, he's been doing taxidermist taxidermy work for thirty years, and he said that's the biggest cat he's had in his in his shop. And when it was in there and getting done, he was finishing up a bunch of other people's work. And I was getting a bunch of random messages and 
<laughs> off of Instagram and Facebook saying, man, I seen your cat in there. That thing's huge. Everybody is telling me about it. I'm like, what the hell? He's done with it. And I, he hasn't even told me, but everybody <laughs> else is seeing this cat. You know? Everybody's seen it but you. <laughs> yeah. Dang, that's wild, man. But uh, no, I, I would say the, um, the craziest one was with my brother. My brother was initially got into it with me, and he was tracking out a lot of cats with me. We had first started up on Mount Emily before they started doing that cougar and wolf study up there. But uh, we this time we were hunting over in the Ukiah area, and. Uh, we were hunting all night looking for tracks that we could work that following morning. And, uh, I had seen, uh, Oh, it, I could see where it looked like a kid sat in an inner tube and slid down the side of the mountain. And I'm like, man, that looks funky. What the heck is going on? So I, and that was on my side of the truck. My brother's in the pasture seat. I said, Hey bro, look out your right window. Tell me if you see anything. And he's like, damn, dude, there's a dead deer laying up underneath this tree. And I'm like, what? So I hopped out. I looked over there, and it wasn't a deer. It was actually a cow elk. I was like, that's a cow elk. And But I couldn't tell the tracks, and it wasn't really covered too well. I'm like, I can't tell if this is a lion kill. So I hiked up on my side to go see if I could see tracks. And I looked way up the mountain, and there was a tree, old tree that had fallen over, and it had snow stacked up on it about a foot high, and it had knocked the snow off of it. I was like, man, whatever it was that killed that cow elk drug it over that log because I could see the snow busted off of it. It drug it but uphill could, or downhill? It killed it uphill and, and drug it, it yeah, downhill and over that freaking log that was standing about two feet off the ground. Damn. <laughs> yeah. But I couldn't tell no tracks. I'm like, there are no tracks. There's just a swipe in the snow. And it started to dawn on me. I'm like, okay, what's going on here is the cat has grasped with a mouth or paws or whatever and it's dragging it down the mountain with the, the elk above it and down below. So all the prints were getting swept over by the body yeah. as it was dragging it down. So then I went to where the cow elk was, and I'm like, well, I'll track the tracks that are leaving the kill. And it was real deep snow there, about like a foot and a half. And that snow is real hard to track cat, or not so much track cats in, but determine what the tracks are because the snow's so deep that when the cat steps in there, it post holes and it pulls its feet out, and then the snow falls down in the post hole where their, their leg and foot went down. So you can't really tell what the print was. But it was walking like a cat, so I'm like, this got to be a cat. So I tracked it clear down by the river, and this is at nighttime, you know. And I had a flashlight on me, and I finally got to a spot where it went underneath the tree where the snow wasn't as deep. And I was like, yep, that's a lion kill. That's got to be a lion kill because this is a lion apparently in the kill. So um, back to when I went up there to that hill where it drugged the, the elk off the side of the hillside, I had fell on my butt at some point. And my wallet came out. I didn't know it fell out. We got back in the truck. We continued on more. And we're like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll come back to that kill in the morning. And uh, anyways, we got a couple hours of sleep, drove into Ukiah, had breakfast. And I was going to have me a Bloody Mary with my breakfast. And the lady asked for my ID. I reached back for my wallet. And I'm like, damn, I don't have my wallet on me. Where the hell's my wallet? And I'm like, no. and I must have hopped out that night and looked at a hundred different sets of tracks, you know. And I'm like, man, it could have fell out at any point. And I was like, oh, that lion kill last night. It fell on my butt and slid down the mountain. And it 
Anyways, we had breakfast. Didn't get my Bloody Mary. Damn it. But uh, <laughs> we, we drove back up there. I'm like, I got to go find my wallet. And my brother jokingly, oh, hell, who knows? Maybe that cat's on it. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, cats usually mostly feed on on kills at nighttime, you know? That ain't going to be on it during midday. We drive up there, pull up. I look right outside my left window. It's daylight now. I can see my black wallet laying in the snow. I'm more worried about my wallet. I don't think there's a lion on the kill. My brother says, I'm going to hop out and see if that cat ate on that elk anymore. He hops out and like five feet off off the side of the road is where the kill was, but down off the slope. He's standing there. He's got his pistol in his hand, looking off the side of the, the road there, and he starts screaming, lion, lion, lion. Holy and, shit. <laughs> um, yeah. And everybody knows how it is when you have a brother. You guys flip each other's shit. That's just how it is. Yeah, no, so, yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> I would do the same thing to my brother. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> who would? And uh, I'm thinking he's full of shit. You know, he's trying to hype me up, get me all excited. And he looks back at me pissed off now. And he says, it's a mother effing lion get your damn gun and i'm sitting there like hey bonehead you got a pistol in your hand if there's a lion right there shoot the sucker you know yeah so i didn't really believe him but i grabbed my rifle off my my dash and i walk up there no lion but i'm like yeah you're lying to me sucker and he's like no i swear to god well, apparently, when my brother hopped out, when I was getting my wallet and he was hopping out to look at that kill, it had its head stuffed inside the chest cavity of that cow elk, oh, pulling its head out and staring at my brother, <laughs> and slowly backed away and got down in this, this not culvert, but kind of a trench, trenchy uh, bar pit type of spot and down into some brush. And my brothers guide me up on, along the side of the road, trying to point this cat out where he'd last seen it and where it was going. And he spotted again. And then I seen it. And instead of this cat running up the mountain, down the river, or up the river, it decides to come right up in the middle of the road. And instead of crossing the road and going back into timber, it just decides to run straight down the freaking road. And Toward you or away from you? Away from me, running away from me, right down the open middle of the road. Damn. And you being it? a coyote hunter, I mean, most people know know sometimes you can kind of make a sound and yep, or like you yip stop. at them or something. Yeah, exactly. Give it that last stop so you can get a good shot. So I'm like doing squalls with my mouth, just random crap. It ain't doing nothing. It's just running straight away, and I'm like. I just got to throw lead at it. Did you give it the old so, Texan heart shot? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> give, give it one in the no, old poop shoot? I, 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 <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> no, my only option, I mean, that was my only option. And as it was running away, it was like ass legs, ass legs, ass legs, you know, as it was trotting along. Uh -huh. And I was trying to time it where the most fur was in the center of my crosshairs you yeah. know and i touched a round off and my timing was off but i blew out its right rear leg and it fucked way up in the air and started running just as hard as it was running before and it was just about to crest the bend and i touched another round off and blew out its left rear so i my first shot blew out its right leg my second shot blew out its left leg and my brother runs back to the truck, grabs the truck, and he's like, you hit it. There's going to be blood. We'll track that sucker out. So hopped. I just jumped on the the bumper of my truck, and he drove up there. Where it just made it around the bend, and there it laid right there in the bar pit off the side of the road. Was it dead? <laughs> no, it was, it was alive, and we had to shoot it one more time. Had, yeah, had to finish it off. Uh -huh. Damn, that's wild, man. <laughs> that sucker you cut you came up on it just feeding on that cow getting its old belly nice <laughs> yeah. and 
fat and sassy. <laughs> Damn, that's that's wild, man. That is that's one wild adventure right there. Yeah. Well, um, do you got anything else that you'd like to add before we kind of um, close this sucker off? Yeah, I feel like we didn't really. There's so much to actually cover on it, but uh, um, oh, geez. Yeah, there's there, talked a little too much <laughs> too much about. <laughs> yeah, there's but, uh, there's a lot. I mean, if if people come up with more questions or you get any messages and stuff like that, we can do another one and kind of just touch on those guys. I mean, this is this is the start of a long journey. We'll uh, we'll be around. We'll be able to make several more of these and kind of just shoot the shit and tell more hunting stories. I bet people are interested on some of the other adventures you've been on cat hunting because i know i am yeah i i've heard a few of them you've told me majority of them but uh the rest of the crew i think would be interested in hearing what you got to say as well yeah yeah um i'd just like to touch a few other things real quick you know some tips yeah definitely uh you know, as I was saying, getting up there and locating them, you know, it's just like any other game is getting up there, scouting, knowing where, where the game's at. Uh, same thing goes for cats, getting up there, finding out, locating where they're at so that you know what roads to hit so that when you do cut them. And uh, a big thing is, is I don't want a lot of people doing and making the mistake that I made you get excited when you first see your first cat track and you just want to park the truck, throw your backpack on, sling your rifle and start tracking them out. If you can and you have on X and you know which direction that cat's going before you get too excited and start tracking that sucker out, look and see if there's a road in that direction that, that cat's going try to loop that cat as much as you can by vehicle because obviously in a vehicle you're you can cut some miles off it can get you that much closer to a cat um it can also you can actually if you can make a whole loop on a cat then you can you can almost know that cat's in that down in that draw or up on this face whatever the case may be you know that he's in this area and you know that when you do start tracking them out, that you need to be a little more slow, a little bit more cautious, looking a little harder because you know that say, hey, that road over to my left that does a loop around this patch that this cat's going in is only a mile and a half, yeah. you know, as the crow flies. Mile and a half, a guy can cover that pretty quick on foot. Definitely. But when you... Yep. Yeah, definitely. You don't want to go go in there too quick and in the brush, go in there and move move slow and keep your eyes out because there's a lot of times where I had to learn the hard way and I cut me a cat track and I tracked it for four or five miles. I remember a specific one. I won't get in the story of it, but I tracked him for four or five miles and ended up coming up on the road the same road that my truck was on that I cut the cat on like 300 yards up the road. <laughs> and if I would have just drove up the road another three, 400 more yards, I would have cut that cat and cut myself half a day's worth of tracking yeah. and five miles going through bullshit and put myself that much closer on that cat. So always try to section that cat out as much as you can. And when you do cut your first set of tracks and you do section them out, that's when you need to be really good about having your head out that window, looking at every track that you see, because you don't want to miss them. You know, you don't want to accidentally pass them up as you're trying to do that loop on them, you know, get caught up talking to your buddy or doing something. All it takes is a few seconds to yeah, not you, be looking you go right at someone you missed when they crossed. Yep. 
Yeah, that's, you know, try to loop them out. That saves you time. Um, Pay attention to reading the tracks. Don't just look at the tracks. Read the tracks. You can kind of tell when a cat's stalking, when a cat's running. Um, When you first cut a cat, most likely it wasn't running. It was just moving about in the mountains. So I like to step them off, you know, take four steps, step them off, heel to toe, heel to toe. And then you can kind of see what his his gait is, his his normal walking stride is, so that when you are tracking him out, you can tell if you have him bumped. Yeah, because they just start spreading out quite a bit. Yeah, exactly. They'll start spreading out. But sometimes they'll have just kind of a fast walk, and it may look like it's just a normal walk. And so, but, I mean, when it's fully bumped and he's bumped, you're going to know because those suckers can really take a leap and bound. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they they can they can cover some country pretty quick too. They're pretty quick animals. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, shit, man. I better I better let you get to bed. It's a it's a late one. It's almost eleven o'clock. Um, thanks for thanks yeah. for joining me on the, on this first one, and we'll have to get you back on here in the future, and maybe we'll talk sturgeon the next time. Big old dinos or something. <laughs> Yeah, I hope they open that up because that's going to suck. Yeah, come summertime, we ain't going to have shit to do besides beat our meat. We're going to have to (laughs) figure something out because, I mean, you can only catch so many shad. You need to start catching some dinos and get get the adrenaline going. That's for sure. Yeah, it's kind of what gets my summer to fly through is that sturgeon fishing, you know. I I like the hunt more than I do the fishing, but the fishing just kind of... It gives me something to do to yeah. make summer fly by and get back to hunting. Yeah, get through that downtime. Yeah. But, well, shit, man. Thanks for thanks for joining again, and we'll uh, we'll be talking. We'll be talking here in the near future. Well, we still got to go on a few more hunts, a few more shed hunts. See if we can't find us some brown. Yeah, yeah, I'm down. Let me know. <laughs> we'll do, man. Well, thanks again. You have yourself a good one.